You are listening to World Harvest Church's weekly podcast. WHC is a cross-cultural church with passion for reaching the lost and hurting. We are mission-minded and committed to raising up generations of mighty men and women of God. If you're in the Atlanta area, check us out on Sunday mornings at either 9 or 11.15 a.m. or on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. From wherever you're listening, we hope this week's message empowers you to grow and go. And so my title is, Can These Bones Live? Unlocking the move of God in this generation. But you need to go to Ezekiel chapter 37, and I'm going to read 11 verses, and I believe it will speak to your heart. This obviously is a vision of the Lord he gave to Ezekiel regarding the nation of Israel. And it reads as follows, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed they were very dry, meaning they were very dead. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, listen, let's get straight. Ezekiel, watching this thing, in his head he had to go, there's no way. But see how diplomatic he is with God. <laughs> so he answered, oh, Lord God, you know. <laughs> Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them today, to dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath, breath to enter into them, and you shall live. And I will put put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath into you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked on the sinews, and the flesh came upon them, and skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Father, I thank you for making alive this word to our hearts. Lord, America is at a crossroads. And Lord, we are praying that we catch the vision of God, even for these dry bones that America shall be raised up one more time, that, God, that you will do the work in your people, that we will not sit idly by, but allow the Spirit of God to breathe upon us and, to, and allow the Spirit of God to touch this nation, that, God, this nation will come to its spiritual senses and recognize that you are the true God, and they must humble themselves before you. And so, Lord, we look to you for impartation, illumination, and revelation to the glory of God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And everybody said amen. 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 I love God. He just shows 
Ezekiel, he says, I want to just show you all these bones, walks them around. Actually, I have been to Israel off the beaten track to the valley of dry bones. He said, no. Oh, yes, I have. I took a Humvee, one of the people there, and we drove all the way across the wilderness. He said, I want to show you the valley of dry bones. And I got there, and it was the most amazing sight. There weren't bones, but even the Israelite archaeologists have no idea what they are or how they got there. But they're spherical bones. They look like footballs, all different sizes, equally spaced across the whole valley. And they said, what's crazy is most of the bone material is calcium. Amazing. They don't show you that at the Turk trail. But I was impressed. Ezekiel was led by God around these bones. He said, shall these bones live? In the natural, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. For God could cause the breath to come out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, put all the bones together, put sinews on, flesh on, skin on, and then finally breathe the breath of God. They became a living soul and a standing army. My brothers and sisters, America is on the road to destruction. She's on the wrong road. If you think that somehow, well, God will spare America just because we're Americans, you're smoking some of the strongest weed on the street given to man. We are living in a place where we got to see a major change. And the church has got to realize that they're the catalyst, the churches. And if God can breathe breath into dry bones and raise up Israel as a nation again, which we know actually happened. And even when they were dispersed a second time, 1948, Israel was rebirthed. It was a miracle of God. It's really fulfilling Ezekiel 37. And the fact that they brought back the Hebrew language, that has never been done in any nation in the history of mankind. It's a miraculous nation. And God's not done with Israel. The Bible prophesies, shall a nation be saved in a day? Yes, Yes, it shall be. Right here, they should be saved in, in a day. And Israel will rise up to be the people of God it was destined to be. So we have to apply this now for America. I was privileged to be at a table right across, like he was there, I was here, at the front of a huge banquet hall, about four or 500 pastors from around the south. And Reinhard Bonnke, the great evangelist, stood up. And for one half hour, he preached to us preachers because he's having a crusade later that year, one of the last crusades he ever did. And he preached that America shall be saved. He preached it with such conviction that when I left the banquet room, I said, glory to God, America shall be saved. But he said it comes through the preaching of the word. He said, I have seen Africa saved. And we know this man has seen literally tens of millions saved. But you know, if you go back to the revival times of America, 1720, late 1720s, there was a new movement that came out of Europe that was affecting the, the 13 colonies. It was called the Enlightenment. And the Enlightenment was all about rational thought, taking God out of the picture. And churches were dying. People were following basically a false God. But then 
great men of God appeared. And even historians will, will, will testify, the great awakening came because of great preachers. The move of God happened, and it began to hit, so hit the 13 colonies that by the 1740s, it's about a 20-year spread, that the churches were filled up again, and there was a vibrancy of faith around the colonies. Then it dipped again in 1790, a second great awakening. The move of God began to sweep across this land. And you'll see great moves of God. You see, you got to understand something. God always has messengers to bring the message of revival if people will listen. But it comes through preaching. If you think you're just going to sit here and let God do it automatically, no. Otherwise, 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is just, a, is just a waste. No, it says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. It said there's a place for the church to step up to what it's called to do. And let me say this to you. I travel the world. America is the center pole for freedom for the nations of the world. They look to America to bring their personal freedom and rights that filter down to them. But let me say this. The devil therefore knows this, and he is hell-bent on America's destruction. You need to understand, this is not the same old, same old. We are at war. You got to get this. We are at war. And you can't sit idly by and just, well, we'll see what will happen. If you'll see what will happen, the, the winds of Marxism, socialism, communism are blowing through our schools, our universities, and a lot of the politicians. That's just, and I'm not just making it up. That's reality. And if you look at Marxism, Karl Marx knew that people would not buy into his doctrine. He said to buy into it, you must have chaos. You've got to have it so things are turned upside down, inside out. And then you want somebody to straighten it out. Well, we come along with Marxism. Sounds real good, but it never works. Because the sentiment heart will always, the few will rule the masses. Those who are oppressed will eventually become the oppressors. Without Jesus Christ. That's why critical race theory is such a lie. It says the oppressed must over, overflow the oppressor. But the oppressors, that the oppressed will then become the new oppressors. That's the way it is. Because you got to realize, if you don't have sin, and you don't have the Savior, you change nothing. And so we're living in very... Uh, I'll call it tipping. This is the tipping point times. Which way are we going to go? And if I look at America, now, I don't like being negative, but I have to just share what's going on around our country. So it kind of sets you up to where we need to go in Jesus' mighty name. But today, there, this God-hate speech dialogue, it's in, all, it's in the airwaves. If you stand up and say, I'm a Christian, I believe the Bible, you're a bigot. A young girl this high, I was at the outreach for Clarkston. A young girl, she's about maybe eight. She scowls at me and says, do you love the LGBT? Where did that come from? School. She's getting it from school. And so it was a lot of racket. I didn't have time. You said, listen, we love, every, we, we love all the LGBT. We just don't like their behavior. Jesus loves the LGBT. But you understand this, that's the, that's the kind of atmosphere that we're living. We are drowning 
in a sea of falsehood. Uh, The lies that are told through the media is unbelievable. And, and, And what amazes me, especially when I travel around the world, there's a, I won't mention the name, but they're based out of Atlanta. Uh, they go around the world. In fact, uh, that's like the number one news channel watched for information. And they treat it as gospel. They treat it as true. So when I get there, I've got to say, no, 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 that's not the way it is. You're listening to a lie. You understand that? A lie. And this whole thing, uh, I mean, uh, don't get me started. This whole mass thing. Now, you may get offended at me. You're watching me. But it's not about science. It's about coercion. you got to figure this out. And some of the highest health people, if you dig behind them, they make it up as they go along. They, and if any scientist raises his hand to object, they're cut off the media. We don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear that. Because remember, the virus is measured in nanometers. Your mask is married in micrometers, micrometers. And the virus is 1,000 times smaller. So if you do the math, just do the math. I just hate to say it, just do the math. It's not science. And the globalists understand this, that they must have coercion. And they'll throw race in there. They'll throw whatever they can. And they'll throw, I'm going to step on your toes a little bit more. This is what I believe. This whole thing about climate change. What a bunch of poppycock. Listen to me. Just go to the old truth, the farmer's almanac since the early 1800s have been tracking temperature in the world. The little farmer's almanac. If you know anything about science, anything about biology, I'm a biologist. Everything is in cycles. Everything is in cycles. I can go on and on about cycles. But the world's on cycles. You just watch the temperatures go up and go down, go up and go down. But you understand, the globalists must create chaos. They must create a need. Therefore, they need the one world government to oversee the chaos when actually there is no chaos. But they want to pump chaos and shut down any voice that says contrary. I'm just saying. But I'll stop there. Because I may have stepped on a lot of toes already. Don't turn me off right now. So, the Bible puts it so well, and this is so true, Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And what's really hurtful, when I watch the youth of today, that's what really gets me upset. Where they fed a bunch of, I won't say the word, but, but they fed a bunch of stuff. And our youth, are, listen, are the most drug, I mean, drugs are everywhere. If I could tell you what the, what the DA told me of Atlanta, he talked to us pastors. He showed me the chart. A 2,000% rise in the last five years of drug abuse among our young people. 2,000. 
And our youth, I mean, there's such despair. We met with the, we met with the principals of the local schools right here. And they talked about the stress on their kids, the suicides, the depression, and moral confusion. The devil is just picking up the ante. But we, the church, have got to wake up. I'm, and I'm, I'm just saying this. You got to be careful which church you go to. Because so many churches... Let me put what, what Charles Finney said. He said, if there is legislation being passed that goes against the Bible, he said, the pulpit is responsible. He said, there are their social mores of going south. The pulpit is responsible. He, he went on and on this big tirade. The pulpit is responsible. The pulpit. We as preachers should be the ones that bear truth, share truth, and don't bring the compromise. But what's happened in the American pulpit, we have changed the truth for a lie. We have mollified the truth. No one ever confronts sin from the pulpit anymore. We just want you warm and fuzzy. We want to placate your self-indulgence and everything is all right. When no, every now and again you need to be slapped. Well, the Bible says, here's preachers say that. Well, the Bible says, judge not. Well, I know what Jesus said that. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. He said, why do you put at, point the finger at the speck of, little speck of sawdust in a man's eye when you have, uh, have, a, have a lumber yard in your own? He said, you got to watch your heart. you got to watch your you got to be humble. you got to realize. Galatians 6 says, well, if you restore one, restore a person, a, a Christian who fell with meekness. Because that could be you next day. Understand. Level ground at the cross. But even though that's true, you must confront behavior with the truth. What do you mean? Judge not your No, no, no. He says, listen to me. He says, no. If everybody, everybody puts a microphone in your face and says, well, what's your opinion of this? What's your opinion of this? Just calmly say, my opinion is what's not important, but it's the opinion of God. You, you take this, listen, they come at you, it's the Bible. Don't put it on you. Put it on the Word of God. No, no. Here's what God says. God has some things to say about the human behavior. Now, let me say this. And therefore, you need to confront things that are wrong through the Bible. God says, thou shalt not steal. You're not supposed to steal. You're not supposed to be a false, false witness. You're not supposed to commit adultery. Basically, it sums up sex outside of marriage. That's what God says. I'm just, I'm just saying what God says. And God is the one that said that there's, he created man, male and female. He said marriage is between male and female. Now, if you want to legislate something different, listen to me. Man's law can never override the divine law. That's it. They can never override it. But I've had preachers. I call them chocolate eclair preachers. A little bit of heat, they just, and I don't invite them back here. I've watched their webpage. They go, anything that, he says, you can interpret the Bible any way you want to. What? You chicken living, lily-livered preacher. Would you please stand up and get a backbone? 
If you stand for God, preach his word. He didn't ask for your stinging opinion. What does God say? What does God say? What does God say? And somewhere the church is going to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? We're not going any further. We are people of the word of God. We believe the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. you got to understand something. The world's trying to pressurize us. They're even trying to, quote, pass laws. Excuse me? You're going to be immoral and pass a law commanding me immoral like you? Not ever happening. But unfortunately, churches capitulate. Churches give in. They yield to keep the peace. When they don't realize that's how you lose the war. You only win the war. It's in the spirit. When you stand for the truth of God. When you don't back down from what God says. You got, ask God for a backbone. Ask God for boldness. That you will boldly stand for the truth. Well, they might not like me. Did Jesus not say they didn't like me? And I end up not liking you. Beware when the world says they like you. Beware when you fit in too much. You need to rearrange and check yourself out what you really believe. But unfortunately, the modern church is acquiescing to the world. The modern church, and I even hate to say this, even spirit-filled churches have drunk the Kool-Aid. Always careful when hanging around preachers. I'll have to check what they've been preaching. What do you believe today? Because it shifts. It shifts. There's a preacher friend of mine, very good friend, big church in Atlanta. He shifted. Embraced the LGBT. Now is the church downtown for transvestites, homosexuals, lesbians. Right downtown. They love him because he's Pentecostal. He said, we're religious. No, we're not religious. We're just Bible. Listen to me. When Jesus Christ shows up, the word and Jesus are the same. You, and let me say this to you. If you adhere to that doctrine, heaven will not be your home. You'll be, you'll be shut. You go out of your body, and you'll start screaming, God, I'm going the wrong direction. I'm going down. I'm not going up. I'm going down. You have to understand this. You cannot live an unrighteous life and, and, and flaunt the laws of God and think God's going to give you the big pass, and you're going to make it. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. not going to happen. So you need to understand the times we live in. Oh, I'm just getting going. I haven't even got past my first page. Jesus, help me here. Help me here. But I believe this, that there shall be a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If God can raise up dry bones, he can raise up America. There shall be a move of God. We have to believe that, but it will not be automatic. It's for those who are going to reach up to heaven and say, God, this is what I got to have. 1906, a man by the name of William Seymour, an African-American preacher, a little street called Azusa Street in Los Angeles. He ran out of a stable for $8 a month. He put wooden benches in there, and he began the Holy Ghost move of God. They had services around the clock. People came from around the world. It went on for several years. The move of God. Today, that movement in 100 years, 700 million 
Pentecostal Christians all over the world. Someone say, praise the Lord. It's been a move of God. And it was always the move of the Holy Spirit. In 1906, nine days after they began that, there was a massive earthquake in San Francisco. San Francisco at the time was the leading city for the West. The biggest port, the biggest businesses. In 30 seconds, the town was leveled. 80% of the buildings became nothing. 3,000 people died in that short span. The Azusa Street people, I love them. They got on trains, got on, and on buses and drove up there. They said in the catastrophe, 300,000 left homeless. They got people saved like he said they were just getting people saved by the hundreds every day. I believe it's going to happen here. As the, as the pressures keep coming down, people will have nowhere to look. As a matter of fact, thank you devils for setting it up. Because you know what? You are telling our youth there is no God. You are telling our youth that don't think about God. You know, it's just yourself. But you know what? They're creating a giant vacuum. Because, listen, revival always starts with the youth. They're creating this vacuum. Because what's going to happen is they can't take it anymore. And then Jesus is going to show up with anointing of the Holy Ghost. They say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. I want Jesus. You know, this happened in the 60s. In the 60s, in the love, quote, peace and love generation, everyone was just, just going out. They threw away all morality, smoking, doping, whatever else they did. But then there was something that was a hunger in them. That's like, there's something more to life than this. And they set up an explosion. And it began to just go all over the nation. The same thing can happen here. I believe it's like a vacuum being set up. Just keep sucking up the air, but people are going to look, and it's going to happen. But it's going to, but it's going to happen because we, the people of God, the church. Everybody say the church. The church has to rise up and be the church. We should be the lightning rod that catches that fire and shoots it out to the people. Amen. I put lightning rods in every one of our buildings. I had a man. That's all he does. He's a third generation. Lightning rod installer. Unusual family. I said, what do you do? I put up lightning rods. Everywhere. He said, you know why? Because I save buildings. We had one of our oak trees across here. But hit by lightning. Went down. Split the tree. Jumped through the ground. You should see. I make it plowed up through the ground. Plowed up. Hit one of the wires where our underground um, uh, services. Followed the wire all to the house. Went up into the house. Blew up the box. I said, Jesus so on our biggest oaks, I've got lightning rods. The run to the air top, go right on there with a copper wire. Every building in here has a lightning rod. Why? It catches that lightning and sends it to earth. It won't hurt. But you know what? In a good way, we're the lightning rods. We must be the lightning rods. We want to catch that fire, catch that power. We're going to catch that fire and shoot it to a generation that's lost. But I, you know what? That's what moves me so much is when I see what's going on. Jesus was asked a question by the disciples, Matthew 24. What are the signs of your coming and the end times? And I believe one of the key verses is found in Matthew 24, verse 4, where he says, take heed that no one deceives you. Now listen to me. I believe that's the greatest warning that Jesus gave for the church. Deception. What's, what's so sad about deception you can be deceived, but through your deception, you even know you're deceived. Yeah. 
Deception is a lie. It's a falsehood. Satan works with lies because lies brings you into his bondage and control and ultimately death. But the truth will set you free, the truth of God's word. Truth will bring life. So he says, listen, in the last days, deception will be the Satan's number one tool. Well, how can I avoid being deceived? Come to church and hear the word, step one. Then follow what God dictates in your life in Jesus' mighty name. But the modern, listen to me, the modern church, we've got the message of unbridled grace. We've got this hazy, lazy kind of talking to the people of God. We don't want to ever hurt them. We just want to bless them. That's out of balance. If you raise children that way, you're going to raise a monster. You tell your kid, if he doesn't clean up, you're going to stay in your room until it's cleaned up. And I'll tell you what, we used to get back in the days when I, I was raised in the, in the day where the Board of Education was applied to the seat of learning. I mean, it was just amazing. You just, you just... Um, it's amazing what one whack will do. One whack is worth about eight hours of counseling. Uh, you know, you talk about the fear of God, fear of mom and dad. I mean, I, when I messed up, I'm going to tell you what my mother would say, when dad gets home, you're going to get it. Well, my dad may be gone for four days. I had to hang it on my head, my dad, my God. So I tried to be real good. I tried to sneak by, dad be there. I said, I've escaped punishment. But in the end of the day, my dad said, hey, mom told me you did this. Come with me. Oh, can't you forget it? One time, cannot memory. <laughs> but I was trained at that seat, that seat of learning, learned a lot. Hallelujah. But it says unbridled grace. And so we say, you know, we're saved by grace. You can live with you want to. In fact, one of the major grace teachers, I won't mention his name, but I'm in the middle of Israel. And next thing I know, I'm standing next to him. I said, how do I get to this guy? And they said, my people said, we want to take a picture next, next to you. I said, I don't want a picture next to him. So I said, yeah, one of those. Because it's unbridled grace. It's like they push grace. And I said, can't you read the Bible? Ephesians 2, 8. By grace, through faith. And I was at a conference not long ago. A friend I love, but they were into the grace. And I heard preacher after preacher get up and say, We've left the old to take the new, and the new is grace. We have left the faith because now grace. I said, that's false doctrine. By, by, it's by grace, through grace, by faith. I mean, by grace, through faith. Are you serious? And so we've watched people say, no, I just want to have grace. Well, listen to what the, the great songwriter John Newton wrote about amazing grace. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears removed. Yeah, that same grace will show you that you cannot move outside the power of God. I'm telling you what, the grace is not a grace to do whatever you want to. It's a grace to live the way he's called you to. The ability, that's what it is. And so our lives, if you want to live protected in these last days, he said in uh, Matthew 24, 13... He who endures to the end shall be saved. 
What does that mean? If you want to protect your life, you'll protect your walk, here's what you have to do. You have to have a lifestyle, listen, that, that you're going to stand upon the word of God and you're going to press into his presence. That's what, that, it's like you're going to have to press into God. You cannot treat God lightly and expect to escape what, we are, what we're facing today in Jesus' name. And also I want to talk about this. I'm talking about spirit-filled churches that are one by one cutting out the Holy Ghost. I could give you names that you would recognize. And here's what they say. I've heard them. We cut out the Holy Ghost for the greater good. The greater good is to bring more people to Christ. And I'm not saying this is one. They're whole organizations. Their leaders are spirit-filled, but they don't put it in all their churches. Because they actually, where the cross is not preached. You know, you're supposed to die to what you want. It should cost you something. You need to give up something. Like your calling is not always easy. There's a price for it. But we don't want to talk about that because we just want to just placate the people. You don't preach the cross, you get people half saved. If they're half saved, they're really not saved. And it grieves me. In fact, Rodney Howard Brown, this was years ago, maybe five years ago, he said, he talked to one of these seeker-sensitive churches, big church, and Jesus appeared to the preacher. He said, I don't know what you think you're doing. You think you're getting people prepared for heaven, but he says, most of the people in your church will never make home, heaven, heaven their home, because you get a form of godliness, but you deny the power. And what's happening is when you take out the Holy Ghost, you're ashamed of the Holy Ghost. You try to put, well, they don't understand. No, let me say something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a supplement to the church. The Holy Spirit is not a hood ornament. I, you got to understand this. And wait, but no, no, I want to I wanna work this out because in my managerial skill, I'm going to teach leadership training and give higher levels of marketing, come on now, and, lure, and gifted of, of administration to build this people. Because you see, the size says, I'm right. No, it doesn't. It says, you're stupid. Because <laughs> if you believe that size says you're right, when you water down the gospel, will you try to accommodate culture into the Bible? No, it's not to supposed to be that way. You should lean upon the Holy Ghost. Are you serious? Are you serious? Glory be to God. When you leave out the Holy Ghost, you just turned yourself into stupid. I promise you. And so you have to understand this, that the Holy Ghost, when Jesus showed up, 40 days is with the disciples in his resurrected body. 40 days. And then he tells them, Acts 1-4. He said, don't leave Jerusalem. Now think about who's speaking here. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. He's the creator of the universe. Do you think he knows a little bit more than we do? Maybe. He says, don't go anywhere. First five. He said, John baptized you with water. But you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You see, it's, God, it's God's plan 
to bring about a move of God in the last days is the move of the Holy Spirit. And those pastors that shun the, the, the Holy Ghost, they are deceived. They are deceived. The devil has lied to them. They've taken out the one factor that will change everything, the power of the Holy Ghost. But I tell you what, if you take out the Holy Ghost, you are stupid beyond words. You have bought the lie. You have drunk the Kool-Aid. You will not change the world outside the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And, then, and we see it in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And Acts 28 is the last chapter, but we're living in Acts 29, where God's still moving to by the power of the Holy Ghost. And so I'm going the other way. We're going to get more radical for the power and the fire of God. He said in Acts, in John 16, verse 7, he said, it's good that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit can't come. Think about it. If I stay here, I'm at one place at one time. But if I bring the Holy Ghost, he can be everywhere at the same time. That's a better deal. And he says, when he shows up, he's going to show up with power. Now get this. He goes on verse 15. He said, this spirit of truth, when he comes, he's going to take what's of mine and show it to you. Whatever I got, the head of the church, he will download it to you. And he's going to listen. He's going to guide you. And he's going to show you things to come. He's going to be, you'll step over into the supernatural. We need, listen, most of the modern charismatic churches are going in the wrong direction. That's not how you win the world. You win the world by emptying yourself of yourself. Surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. And say, God, fill me up more. Fill up the house of God. Let the fire fall. Let the anointing come. Let the power of God break every yoke. God can do more in one service than you can do in two, three, four, five years of your, quote, revival. When you know, we started this church, my wife and I, we're spirit-filled, Pentecostal. I had watched things happen. She came from a church. This church was like an anomaly in the early 70s. Three and a half thousand member church. Most of the people in their teens or 20s. The pastor, 28. All his people. My brother was on the staff. In their mid-20s. It was a move of God. They had everybody in there. Brother Hagen. I mean, you name a major person. Everybody was in that church. Moves of God. But then the pastor, and I love him, he's my friend, decided that there may be a better way. And you know what guided him? Numbers. Big church up in Chicago. Big. Went with him, sat with him, and said, no, this is how you bring people in. This is what you must do. I watched it happen. Shut down all Holy Ghost. No more Holy Ghost speakers. No more revivals. They brought down to one-hour service. Brought in things like quoting poems. The service was, you know, you only preach like 10 minutes. And people left by the thousands. More churches were planted, Holy Ghost churches. And the church filled up with more traditional people. That went on for like a few decades. And I talked to him now. He said, you know what? I took a wrong turn. 
slowly coming back, slowly coming back, slowly coming back. He's a great man of God. I love him. He's a powerful man of God. But here's the deal. It's human reasoning, trying to receive, trying to get help. Do you understand that we're in a war? Do you understand that Satan wants to destroy this nation? Do you understand that the only way we can fight Satan is staying with the Word and inviting the Holy Spirit to put us over? Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. We need signs, wonders, and miracles. We need the demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. God can do more in a few moments than you can do in decades. I was in a church in England. I was about 10 or 12 old ladies, all in the 80s. I don't know how I got there. I was preaching to them. Someone set me up. And we got to talking about the moves of God. And they said, you know, we were alive when every... He said, we were alive when Evan Roberts, the famous revivalist out of Wales. In this church, they said, here's what happened. They took me out to the pulpit area. I stood in it. The pulpit was like eight by eight. had a little kind of rail around it. This big church. He said, we were there. He just walked up into the platform, raised his hands, and the power of God fell. Without preaching one word. People began weeping all over the congregation. And one by one, they came forward, those to give their lives to Christ. He said, they're filled up with the fire of God. And, and, I, when, I, and when I heard that, I said, see, God, there's another way. There's a better way where the power of God can sweep to the Roswell High School. One, I mean, just knock over teachers, knock over kids. And the power of God just sweeps in and begins to do a revolution in Jesus' name. We're humanist teachers all of a sudden receive Christ, see Jesus, see angels, and the power of darkness is broken. We're going the wrong way to go the modern church way. We need to go the old sawdust, Pentecostal, holy fire, and brim. I mean, we need that way in Jesus' name. So you got to understand this. This is like teeing up for 2022. But you have to realize that the church is the only help for America. And we are where we are because of weak churches. We are where we are because we've got off the truth. But how much more do we need to, in the first 21 days, I call the people to a fast. In the first 21 days, I ask you to seek the face of God. And you have to realize that this is a war. And it'll be one as we pray, as we raise up intercessors to say we're going before the throne of God. America shall be saved. We shall see a move of God in our youth and our families like never before. The greatest days are ahead of us, but we must follow the Holy Ghost leading. Otherwise, it will never happen. It'll only happen when we obey the Word of God. It'll only happen when we understand the signs of the times. So you got to be very careful who you align yourself up with. Politically speaking, they're trying to shove immoral laws down our throat. Here, believe this. And people mistakenly take Romans 13. They get it messed up. They're talking about, if a Romans 13, talking about the governance that God sets up. 
If they follow the word, you listen. But if they don't follow the word, you disobey. Do you understand that? Because that's not a godly authority. That's a rogue authority. Do you understand me? That's a rogue authority. You've got to learn how to stand up against it. Say, no, that's not of God. You will not legislate immorality to me and my family. You know what? I was driving my lane of righteousness, and you came into my lane. Don't get out. Listen, you better get out of my lane. I am not backing off my lane in Jesus' name. I'm not changing what I believe for your uh, godless legislation. But it needs to be preached more. It needs to be preached more. There's two genders, two, two sexes. If someone questions you, just point the Bible. Just kind of, don't know it's the Bible. It's the Bible. Approach the Bible. You know, reporters don't like to come against the Bible. They don't mind coming against you because you and I are nothing. But you want to say the Bible that's been around for thousands of years. You're coming against the very, very foundation of what a society was built on. And when it comes to the unborn, that's not a little thing. That's a big thing. It's in the Bible. The Bible says 139, Psalm 139, 13. It says, Lord, you formed me. You formed my parts. He said, while I was covered in my mother's womb. That one scripture right there tells you that abortion is murder. And everyone who pushes abortion is a murderer. And if they want to legislate it, no, no, that's wrong before the eyes of God. Well, women should have their choice. Listen, honey, once you got impregnated, you made your choice. That's the choice. Listen, you now have to have that baby. Well, it says, I've had an abortion. God will forgive you. God will cleanse you. In fact, some of the leading abortion rights people in our nation fight for the unborn are women that have formally gone through it. And they understand it created hell in my life. Come on now. We got to quit being so, well, we got to just adjust and accommodate. No, we got to be bold. We got to say, no, 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 let me tell you what I believe. That life begins in the moment of inception in Jesus' mighty name. Well, what other scripture? I got another scripture. John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's womb. And when Mary, the mother of Jesus, came in the room, it said the baby leaped in her womb. The baby leaped in her womb. I'm sorry. I'm sorry in Jesus' name. You got it wrong, judges. You got it wrong. Can the judges be wrong? Absolutely, if it's against the word of God. Can the presence be wrong? Absolutely, if it goes against the word of God you got to make your mind up that you politically are not going to be polarized. You're going to be Bibleized. You're going to do what God says. You're going to lie yourself with what God is preaching. Listen, you got to get this in your spirit. And there has to be a move of God in the church of Jesus Christ. Listen to what, I love what uh, Peter and John, they're my kind of guys. Acts 4.18, they, were, they were made this command. Watch this. They called them, Peter and John, and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John go, well, you know, whatever's, whatever's right for you, I give it's right for you, it's right for me, I understand. No. But Peter and John, whoo, I love it. They, you know what they did? They answered and they said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Thank you. I'm not doing it. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm not doing it. I'm not obeying your laws. I'm standing up to you. You know, you go to Acts um, 16. They get locked up in Philippi. Their backs were beaten illegally because they're Roman citizens. And then God frees them supernaturally. And then the, the, the leaders of that city 
came to the jail and said, listen, tell the people they just need to go. And Paul said, oh, I love it. You talking to me? You talking to me? He said, you beat me as a Roman soldier? That's illegal. We're not going anywhere. You tell them to come to me. I love that spirit. So here they come, uh, uh, just shuffling on. Uh, would you please, would you please leave? I mean, you have to please. You're causing. And I what Paul said, I'll think about it. <laughs> he didn't even leave when they said left. When he said, he went, he, they just following him. He says, I'm going to my other brothers in Christ. No need to leave. I'm not leaving. I'll leave when I'm jolly well ready to leave. There has to be pushback against our society. Don't suck up everything they tell you. Does that make sense? And so, you know, the Bible says they visit all their people. And when they were all completely done, then on their own volition, they left. We can get some lessons. Don't, don't bow the knee to Baal. Don't listen to me. We have to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow to that idol. We as a church got to refuse to bow to the idols of this world. We'll not bow. We will not bow. Well, we're going well, to really do you in. Think about the Chinese church. I've been there. It's against the law of the land to meet outside the three-cell church. The three-cell church is the state church. You can't preach the blood. You can't preach the resurrection. You can't preach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't preach healing. They basically take all the teeth out of the gospel. And they monitor you. If you meet outside of their designated meeting, it is a three-year prison sentence for you. Do you know what? By the millions, they break that law. I've been there. They break that law willingly. Many of them have been in prison many times. The head guy's been in prison at least nine years. He said, I don't care. I'm not backing down because what they have is wrong. You see, you got to have that kind of spirit that I don't back down. I, will, I would, listen, you always give way for preference, but you die for principle. you got to make up your mind. I will never back off the word of God in Jesus' name. And I want, I'll be honest with you. When we started our church in 1994, I went to Rodney Howard Brown. 10,000 Christians meeting, the power of God slapped the place. Meeting six hours long. People, I mean, the Holy Ghost would come on you like a freight train. That first meeting, I couldn't even move a finger or a toe. I was totally smitten by the Holy Spirit. I told my wife to get down. You got to get down here. I said, you know what? Once I touch that fire, I'm not backing off. We brought it right into the church. I remember that I preached that thing. I, we had moves of God. We had long revivals, morning and night. I brought in every kind of wild Holy Ghost preacher I could find. I brought him in there. I'm telling you what, it was wild and crazy. And then some of my most influential, wealthy people came up to me and said, <clears throat> um, you need to tone it down or we're leaving. Not for a second to think about it. I said, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I said, you need to go. I'm, I'm not backing down. People would leave and leave and leave. I will never back down. I will not back down to the power of the Holy Ghost. I will not back down to signs, wonders, and miracles. I will not back down calling a 21-day fast of time of prayer and seeking the face of God. I will not back down. In fact, just for that devil, just for that, 2022, you don't even know how many revivals we're going to have. You say, oh, Lord, have mercy. Some of my support staff going, Jesus. All I know is, that we are not backing off the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. Never in a million years. Not doing it, not doing it, not doing it. And I realize I get flack from everybody. I get flack from my own family. When I, when I get there, they'll talk about, 
you're a bit extreme. <laughs> and, they're, and they're Holy Ghost. You know, we don't know if we agree with all what you're doing. Well, I don't really care. I don't really care. I don't really care. I don't really care because all I care about, I'm here to please him, not you. And all I know is once I've tasted and seen, I'm not backing down, not backing off, never in a million years, never, 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 never. Now, this may not be a church for you. I've already had some people leave. That's okay. As, let, me, let me say this. If, if no one ever leaves in a service, I'm not preaching right. Because, because religious people, they just can't take it. They get a twitch. I've had people turn sideways on me. People scowl at me. People stand up, slap their Bible like they're some kind of big Pharisee. Slap their Bible, put it on the arm, and just go out the door. I just keep preaching that much harder in Jesus' name. I'm not backing off. Forget it. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? And I'm pushing every envelope for missions. We did 12 in the year of COVID. This year we'll do 24. In this year, next year we'll do 44. I'll tell you what, we're going to go. You want me COVID? Stick it up my nose one more time. I don't really care. Okay, I'm going through it in Jesus' name. We are not backing off or backing down. COVID, 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 COVID. Stay, stay home, stay in, stay in the closet. COVID, COVID, COVID. No, I'm not listening to that trash. I'm not, I'm not going there. And I've actually got to talk to you. Some of you people watching me, I'm going to come see you. Because you've gotten used to being home. And I'm going to lovingly pull you back in. No, you need to be back in the house. Well, I got my PJs, my coffee, and I kind of like it out here. It's kind of easy. No, no, no. The power of the Holy Ghost is going to call you to come in. You need to be in the house. That's what I'm saying. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to brag on the fact we take communion every service, just about every service. We've not had one person die from our church from COVID. That's absolute truth. Not one person has ever died. And so we're just going to keep on rocking in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I know where I am in my sermon. been all over the place. I let the Holy Ghost lead me. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, here we just, I'll close it up here. Oh, my gosh, 103. <laughs> the Holy Ghost showed up in Acts 13 too. It said the ministers and teachers were praying, fasting, and ministering to the Lord. And the Lord said these key words, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've called them. Let me say what we have to understand coming into 2022. Lord, I want to separate myself for your cause. Now listen, that doesn't mean everything is up here. You are called to business. You're called to ministry. You can do it both. Your job is just as important as what I'm doing here. You need to see your job as a place that you can reach people. You need to see your job as funding the kingdom. And you need to see your job as important as me being behind the pulpit. Does that make sense? But you need to separate. Everybody say separate. separate. And you need, to, you need to get to the place where you understand it might cost you. But you see the cost, but you embrace it. It may cost me my, some money. It may cost me my time. It may cost me losing some relatives. But you got, like the song says, the cross before me, the world behind me. Though none go with me, still I will follow.
It has to be that resolve that I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. That you go to the Lord for 2022. Say, Lord, I belong to you. I'm emptying myself, Lord. Empty me of all pride, self-reliance. Lord, I want to just be filled with your glory and with your spirit and use my life to change this world for you. Oh God, let me be a soul winner. Let me be a divine influencer. Let me the power of God. Let the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow out of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And when you surrender, you set yourself apart. And then believe God for great things for 2022. Pray for the unimaginable. Pray for the impossible. Pray for the extravagant. Reach up. Come on. Reach up for great things for God. He has for you. These are the last days. These are the days where we got to make every minute count in Jesus' mighty name. And I promise you this, that the glory of God will increase for those willing to receive it. That the power of God, I want the power to be so strong in here. That there's not one sinner that can enter our property where the Holy Ghost starts touching them as they go down the drive. As they, by the time they get here, they begin to melt. And no one leaves unsaved. No one leaves bound. No one leaves crippled. That every person is touched with the fire. And this is a refiring space, a resending station, a saving station. I mean, that's in my heart to see. But the Holy Ghost is not an option. He is an absolute necessity. We got to embrace the fire of God. We got to embrace the power of God. Shall these dry bones live? Yes, they shall. We prophesy to this nation that the move of God shall sweep from shore to shore, from border to border. We prophesy to our high schools, grade schools, elementary schools. We prophesy to our universities that there's a divine download of the word of God and the powerful Holy Ghost, and they're turning to God by the millions. We prophesy there's a surge in the spirit by the Holy Ghost where men and women are brought to Christ by the thousands. There shall be a mighty move of God before the end comes that Jesus Christ will be magnified and glorified through our lives and through our our, our churches in Jesus' name. I have to believe it. Do you believe it? I don't know about you, but I think about the fire of God. Lord, I just want to catch the fire. I want to shake off every weight, every sin. I want to run for you. There's no greater joy than catching the breath of God and going for God. Whoa! This is the day. This is the time. I'll quote one last thing before I close. I read this for Smith Wigglesworth. He said this about the move of God. He said, it's the day for purity. It's the day for holiness. It's the day for preparing your heart. It's the day to wake up. I believe it's that day. That we press in like we've never pressed in before. That we go for God like we've never gone with for Him ever before in our lives. I bow your heads in prayer. I just want to close with this with a prayer. Thank you once again for listening to World Harvest Church's podcast. World Harvest Church is pastored by Pastor Merrick and Linda Houghton in Roswell, Georgia. If you're interested in learning more about us, please visit our website at whcga.com. Like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing WHCGA into the search bar on both platforms. And we hope you have a blessed week.